Playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced. Weird stuff has happened in the past and here I am to tell you about it, I guess. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Absurd Real History. Hello and welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I find weird stories from the past and find interesting people to tell them to. I'm your host, Saoirse Shanae, and this week I'm so excited to be joined by drag performer Ren Dennehy, aka A Vocal Reaction. Hello, Ren. Hi, Saoirse. I was wondering which adjective you were going to use, because the kind of the adjective that comes before guest changes sometimes, I've noticed. Sometimes <laughs> it's interesting guest, sometimes it's weird guest. <laughs> to be honest, I was kind of hoping for weird. Can we be weird today? <laughs> I'd love to be weird. I'm just, I'm not as close friends with you as I am some of the guests, which I hope will change. So I, I'm worried yeah. about offending people because I said that once to someone and find weird people. And I noticed my guest was a bit like, oh, you calling me weird? And I forget, oh, some people don't view that as a beautiful compliment the way I do. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, negative. yeah. No, I'm very, I'm, I'm very of the same school of thought of you for sure. Weird, weird is wonderful. Yes, it just, as it should be. I like, have you met normal people? They're very boring is, is always my conclusion. So boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so thanks for, for coming on. You've no idea what we're going to be talking about today. No, and that's so exciting. But I love history and I love absurd mm-hmm. facts about life. Um, so I think I'm, I'm, I'm on the right pod. Awesome. Well, we're going to be talking a bit about um, animals to begin with. Okay. Do you know anything about the, the emu? The emu. I know that they are not dissimilar to an ostrich in that. No, very similar. Yeah, I think they're a flightless bird. Am I right? Mm-hmm. They lay yeah, they, yeah. they lay big ass eggs. Big beautiful emerald eggs as well. Emerald like, like a eggs. dark green. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Like a really dark green, blacky green. Beautiful. I'm realizing now actually I've only ever seen an ostrich egg. I don't think I've ever seen an emu egg. Um I think that's my emu fact file for the moment. Okay, good. So you're coming in completely completely emuless? Emuless, yeah. <laughs> emo emo emuless. Emuless. <laughs> Uh, well, they're a large, flightless bird. They have really long necks. They're really scruffy looking. They're kind of like, if you envision an ostrich, like their scruffier, younger cousin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like a punk a punk rock ostrich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a punk rock ostrich. They have tiny wings and really muscular legs. They're actually the only bird with calf muscles, which I think is kind of interesting. I'm now kind of trying to picture like a blackbird or like a crow or something with really, really, really buff calves. <laughs> it's hilarious. Proper buff. Yeah, yeah. So the emu never skips leg day. No, yeah. no. They're in, in insanely, insanely strong legs. The emu is the second largest bird, the ostrich being the largest one. Mm-hmm. So that's... Who they're outnumbered by emus are more or less human size like they're between five foot two and six foot two okay. so i'm five foot two so most emos are taller than me yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is something i've accepted <laughs> they can run up to 50 kilometers an hour which is insane that if is you insane. actually think about that yeah that's why they have such big calves yeah 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 they're really high jumpers as well some people have noted them being strong swimmers when they're really pushed okay if cornered they will like kick people with their super strong legs oh wow well i guess like you know if you don't have the wingspan to do the whole kind of like get away from me you're gonna have to have some sort of physical defense mechanism in there you know yeah yeah 
like uh, a lot of scientists believe they have something called lost flight, which is that they probably could fly thousands and thousands of years ago, okay. but they just developed really strong legs and found running better. <laughs> <laughs> Running's better for your mental health, I imagine. There's more endorphins, you know. Yeah. Evolutionary, though, I feel like that would be such a bad trade-off. Like, imagine if we yeah. were told, like, you know, humans used to be able to fly, and then we found it was actually easier and better to just walk. I'm like, what? I'd be so mad at my ancestors yeah, it's like who, for that. What committee made that decision, you know? <laughs> They're primarily found in Australia, like mm-hmm. all weird animals. Australia is kind of beautiful for the, the weird things that it, mm. it's created in terms of animals. One thing that I found very funny is I did watch a lot of emu videos uh, to prepare myself for this. And I've never, like, it's painful how much they need arms. Oh, stop. Like, they have these tiny wings that you can barely see. And they have really long necks. And they kind of just, like, move. Like, you can kind of almost see where their shoulders are. Okay. So, they they just need arms in a, a way that upsets me. <laughs> yeah. And is, I mean, is, this, is, this just, is this just aesthetically, you mean? Like, they're all neck and leg to look at? Or do you think, like, they could really use some some arms? For practical reasons, yeah. Both. Definitely aesthetically, because, you know, you can barely see their wings, but also you can see by the way they move their neck that they really want arms. Oh, <laughs> honestly. Um, I mean, like, you know, there's so many, so many campaigns for, like, you know, save the dolphins, you know, save the endangered tigers. But where are the crowdfunds to get emu some arms? Where are they, Saoirse? Tell me. Where are the really dodgy crowd funds for a weird scientific experiment to get the arms from dead humans who don't want their any arms anymore and to sew them onto emos? Why isn't that happening? This is a noble cause that I would raise money for. Okay, my, my old death plan used to be that when, that when I die, I get fired out to sea in a cannon. Now, I want my arms to be donated to emos. I lo- yeah. That's, that's my new plan. That's that's the will. Um, donate my body to science, except for the arms. That will solely go to the emus. <laughs> to an emu in need. Yeah. To an yeah. emu in need. So, uh, so Ren, I bet you're you're saying to yourself, "Well, silly old Sirsha, I thought this was a, a history podcast, and now you got me here talking about emus." That's my very accurate impression of of you there. Yeah, it's uncanny, spooky. <laughs> In 1932, Australia declared war against emus and there was a thing called the Emu War. Oh my God. I'm already like, leave the emus alone. They were here first. Like, Yeah, exactly. And it's even funnier when you consider that the emu is Australia's national bird. Oh. So like the national bird of America is like the American bald eagle. And they take pride in it. India, they have the Indian peacock and they take pride of it. Australia's like, we have these emus and they're pests and we're going to kill them. (laughs) Australia, do better. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I think to understand this, I think it's good to have a, a, a little idea of what the emu is like. Because I think a lot of people don't really know what an emu is. I know I didn't really know that much prior to knowing about the emu war. I have a lot of Australian mm. friends and they, they are pests and they are strong. They're very strong. They'll, they'll kick you. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You. I'm sure. It's, it's all, uh, it's all the pent up frustration from not having arms. You know, it's a jealousy thing, yeah. I imagine. You know, they're looking at humans being like, look at all your limbs. Look at you winning the genetic lottery. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even fly anymore. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. you, after, after this, definitely look up some videos on, on, there's so many videos of just emus just 
bopping about the place. They they kind of really move with their head. It's great. They're 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 very funny, funny looking creatures. Fabulous. So the reason Australia went to wars is a few things. So the 1930s, a little thing happened there called the Great Depression in America, which went global when they introduced tariffs on global imported goods. So Australia was kind of having an economic crisis with from that as well. On top of that, Australia had recently made their own currency, which they made like the gold standard or in relation to the UK pound. Now, I don't know that much about currency or economics, but essentially what I gathered is the Brits as always kind of fucked it up. So, like, it made the Australian mm-hmm. currency really bad. Hell's a breeze. Yeah, yeah, I know. So they, yeah. they fucked it up for them as they do a lot of things. <laughs> um, so it was a combination of you had this, you had you had the thing going on with their own pound, and then you also had the Great Depression going on. So the Australian economy was in shambles. There was also a drought, but it was mainly the farmers who were suffering. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to grow their 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 food and sell it mainly wheat most of these farmers were ex-soldiers coming back from world war one and given the land from the australian government to like set them up after the war and this is in western australia okay have you ever been to australia no i've never been to australia um i'd love to go my pasty irish skin won't let me you know i would freckle and burn and die (laughs) i feel that i you freckle and then you burn and then you peel and then you come back paler than you were than you began with. Ah, At least that's what happens ah, yes. to me. I always end up. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I've just been um, I've just been daydreaming about Australia mm. a lot recently, and I think this has really started it. Be um, because I really I really want to do the Adelaide uh, Fringe yeah. uh, once the world allows it and getting funds together for that and. So a lot of this was just me looking at different animals that I can see in Australia and being like, oh boy, emus, kangaroos. Uh, but we're okay, talking about yeah, war and it's yeah. terrible and dreadful. But I just wanted to see if you, you've you ever been to Australia. So in general, the emus, the they go out to the coast after they've done mating and then they come back more mm-hmm. to the centre of Australia. But there was a drought so in Australia happening so they went further west than they mm-hmm. normally do and in search of food and water they found all these various wheat farms with really poor fencing and they just had a great time they ravaged the crops yeah. uh, eating stuff as you would bunch of wheat they should have built better fences uh, they damaged the fences as well which left the paths open for rabbits to go in and destroy things even more do you know about Australia mm. and rabbits no, I don't. Australia did this thing. Um, well, Australia has had a problem with their ecologicalness of it all. Ecosystem. Mm. That's it. The ecosystem. Um, I can't remember the exact dates. It's very well documented. I remember we studied it in school, like when I was in like fifth year through like sociology or something like that. But they introduced rabbits into Australia for hunting because the fancy English colonizers wanted to hunt rabbits. So they brought European rabbits to Australia. And in Australia, there is no natural predator for the rabbit the way we do here, Uh... like foxes or whatever. Yeah. So they kind of went a bit mental and there was just way too many rabbits. And there have been 
battles to try and get the rabbit population under control. Similar thing with a frog, which was referenced in a Simpsons episode. That's about as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've always had trouble with the the animals there because I mean Australia is just like a giant desert rock. No one's meant to live there except for these weird animals, really. <laughs> yeah, honestly, honestly, and a couple, you know, some Aboriginal people as well. Yeah, uh, I was I was just thinking that I was like, wait a minute, no, and obviously, obviously, but they have been there for thousands mm. of years and had learned to work with yeah. the ecosystem. It's not like, oh, this is a great place, but I'd love to shoot some yeah. rabbits. Let's let's do the trip from halfway across the world, bring some rabbits over ju- just to shoot them. And you know, fair play to the rabbits. They got they got they stuck their little heels in. So, they said, "We live here now. This is our country as much as yours." They didn't care that they were non-native yeah. species. I'm actually wondering as well, because I know from watching things like Border Police Australia and all those programs, there's a lot of Aussie um, border control TV programs. And a lot of it's about like drug trafficking, human trafficking, that sort of stuff. Yeah. But also they're very, very precious and protective of the ecosystem and of kind of the, the, the natural yeah. ecology. And there are certain live animals you're not allowed to bring in. There are certain plants you're not allowed to bring in. And I wonder, does mm-hmm. that come from this... Uh, the the bringing over of the rabbits like was that the, the start of this issue? Oh, one hundred percent. They're very sensitive ecosystem there anyway. One hundred percent. I think. Well, anything to do with a, an island, but there is a huge. I like. I should have researched this one more. And I might be wrong because I haven't heard this in a while. But for it was in the eighteen hundreds, and for like a past century, there's been ups and downs of like rabbit plagues, is what they they call it. So plagues, plagues oh of rabbits. There, I mean, there. Cutest plague you could ever imagine. I was about to say, I'll take a rabbit plague over a COVID plague any day. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let any rabbits into your house. Oh no! Oh no! We're getting attacked. Yeah, yeah. Golly, golly also, gosh. that like that imagery conjures that common conjures images of like thousands of rabbits running through the streets. Like, yeah. That you can't walk down the road without this stampede of rabbits. I'd love to know kind of how. Uh, how expansive this rabbit problem was it was no it was pretty bad and I, I think they did this whole thing where they brought in another animal to try and like counteract the rabbit and then mm-hmm. that went badly and it's just been a whole like ah! trying to fix what they shouldn't have done to begin with um so yeah. australia has always had that kind of problem. i think a lot of these con- like countries that have been separated for like i know iceland is also very similar they keep things very separate and New Zealand as well. Like you were saying, mm. there's certain things you can't bring in. It's it's why when you're traveling, you couldn't bring over plant. You couldn't bring over fruit just in case there yes, would be a fruit that fly it. that was not yeah. native to the country to do with bugs as well. So everything. So these emus, you know, they'd finally dealt with the rabbit plague or wave one of the rabbit plague. I'm not sure how went, long it went on for. And emus are wrecking the fences. Rabbits going on it going all the way in destroying things so the farmers lost a lot a lot a lot a lot of money and a lot of them gave up farming and went back to the city or went to the city start there and the ones that remained did the completely normal and sensible thing that you would do like as a group of farmers trying to deal with pest control you know they didn't go to the agricultural minister they went straight to the like minister of defense oh wow they were soldiers oh wow okay yeah oh so it's all these world war one soldiers who are still like come on let me get another let me get another go world war two is still 10 years away yeah (laughs) well what it was is also is that world war one saw the an invention or the first time real use of the machine gun 
So they saw what this could do and they were like, I want to, let's use these on the emus. Oh my God, no. So the Minister of Defence of Australia was George Pierce. He saw this as a good opportunity to secure, like, it was all politics, basically get the rural vote of Australia. Uh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, help yeah. out these farmers. Um, he saw it as good PR opportunity, you know, help out these farmers. He even sent a camera crew out for the first battle. Basically, destroy the emus. They would be loved and praised by the farmers and everything would be great. Um, of course, he covered his back. He made the farmers sign an agreement that the Western Australian government would finance the troop transport but it would be up for the farmers to cover the costs of ammunition and accommodation and it also ensured that if anything went wrong it would not be George Pierce's fault. Pierce also thought he put in somewhere that it would be good target practice for the troops so no that's I know animal cruelty straight in. That's a big no for me no George yeah yeah, it isn't just history we're, we're saying that. Even at the time, there were a few people that are like, are you really just going to go shoot up our na- national bird? Totally, totally. And I mean, you know, <laughs> that particular year, there was a particular drought that forced the emus further west. So this wasn't kind of usual behaviour for the emus, was it? And that, you know, was it was it likely to be a once-off event? Did they kind of need to panic and kill them all? I don't know. Well, I think that once they had found all the the wheat fields, I think the emus were pretty much like, this seems like a, a great place to stick around. Yeah, except for the gluten intolerant ones. They would have been like, mm, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me see if there's it like, you know. not <laughs> water and other things. They eat bugs as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the veggies can have the wheat and um, the, uh, the gluten intolerance can eat the bugs. Much like okay, perfect. humans. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. <laughs> Totally. Much you see like the spiders. Yeah. Yeah. Senator James Gunthrie led the fight against Pierce's plan, saying it was okay. it was unnecessary cruelty and asked for more humane and less spectacular methods, which makes sense. He's like, okay, we can get rid of these emus without sending a militia to shoot them with machine guns. Surely there is a way around this. Yeah, yeah. I think there's probably another factor there in that, you know, if we're in the Great Depression, everyone's unemployed and people are bored. Yeah. So like, you know, you suddenly get this call to arms to go fuck up an emu. You're going to be like, great, I have something to do on Tuesday, you know? Exactly. They did say, though, that the, the farmers couldn't use the, the, the machine guns. So they're kind of like, you know what? We're not going to let you just run oh. amok. George Pierce defended himself. <laughs> That's what I was imagining, yeah. When, when he was getting, when George Pierce, the Minister of Defence, was getting, like, criticised for his plan to um, shoot emus with machine guns, he responded, those who didn't live with the emu couldn't understand the damage they did. Which seems very, very intense. They ate some wheat. Give them a break. Well, there, it's more the, yeah. the financial ruin. There was lots and lots of financial yeah. ruin. So on November 2nd, 1932, the moment of truth arrives for the first battle. Now there's an estimated emu population of 20,000 that had been devastating crops across Western Australia. So that's a lot, a lot of emus. Major GPW Meredith with a troop of only two soldiers armed with two Louis automatic machine guns. Now these fired 300 rounds per minute and they also brought with them 10,000 rounds so it's just the major these two troops two machine guns and they saw they see about 50 emus and they're like right circle shoot and let's go like circle around them and shoot them 
and it'll make you feel i know where you are very much on the emu side being bad about these um yeah well they 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 won they really uh underestimated the emus <laughs> they really underestimated <gasps> the emus. yay oh my god a twist i love it as i said to you before they could run like 50 kilometers an hour when pushed of course yeah so you you approach yeah. a, a group of uh emus which what, what do you let's guess what do you think a group of emus is called <gasps> i was gonna ask what the collective noun is okay it's great it's um oh god i don't know i hope it's fun just tell me it is fun it is fun mob a mob of emus <laughs> oh so appropriate as well for this <laughs> yeah it's the it's the australian army versus the mob and the mob just happens to be a flightless bird with great calves. Yep. So they could, a mob of emu. So you go to attack a mob. They're just going to run, coattail it out of there, 50 kilometers. But on top of that, emus are also built like tanks. Like they could withstand two or three bullets and not even break their stride running. Oh, I live for that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Literally bulletproof emus. Yeah, yeah. So literally, the the only way to to get rid of an like to to kill an emu, it feels like I'm talking about a vampire. The yeah. only way to kill an emu is, <laughs> but it does kind of feel like that, you know. They had to be shot in the head and at the back of the head, which is really precise and hard to do. And their heads are very small, I imagine. Their heads are very small. Yeah. So a thing's running fifty kilometers an hour almost. Yeah. You shoot it; it doesn't even slow down. <laughs> like. Your target is the size of a tennis ball. Like, you're not. The odds are not in your favour, Australian Army. One of the reasons I say they look like they need arms is because they're running. They kind of, like, flail back and forth a bit. So their heads are, like, darting left and right. It's not, like, a static thing. (gasps) They're, like, moving it around. It's like these animals were were built for this war. They were built for this war. There was a great Aboriginal legend um that the emu would fight in the war that's not true but they were probably involved in them i just like the idea of it being passed down and the emus being trained for for this day yeah exactly exactly a secret kind of anti-government conspiracy but you know i'm just saying wings would have probably been more useful than legs just just putting it out there <laughs> it could have just flown yeah, away Yeah, in this case yeah totally totally and a bird that size flying a human-sized bird flying would be really intimidating Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm just thinking like, what would, where would it go? Because mm. if you're that, so, like, if you think about like small birds, how far they fly when they're like migrating for, I don't know. I I don't understand biology very well. You, you know, summer heat, yeah, birds same. fly places. Yes, yes, yes. Would you cover more ground or less ground if you were a bigger bird? Well, you'd be expending more energy with each wing flap. Exactly. Because you? you'd be heavier the wings would be bigger. You'd be less like aerodynamic. So yeah, I'd imagine they'd be like short hop birds. So you'd like, you'd fly an emu from like Dublin to Manchester, but you'd have to take a swallow from like Dublin to South Africa or something, you know? Yeah. If birds were like airplanes. Yeah. I like that analogy. Yeah. So, and also these emus weren't, they weren't silly. And this is, this is a quote. I've, no. This is a quote that I found from a soldier. There's actually a lot of newspaper reports about this because the cities were kind of making fun of Western Australia's going of off. the Colchies. Yeah, basically yeah. making fun of the Colchies for it. shooting up emus. <laughs> Which, you know, there are worse things to be teased about. <laughs> there really are. That one, you're kind of like, well, did you bring that on yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
in general, I'm very against teasing and particularly based on where someone is from or how they actually are. But if your plan is shooting up emus, you're kind of, I don't know, it's hard for me to defend you. <laughs> totally, totally. You're, you're opening yourself up to, to critique there for sure. Now, to be fair, I guess it had been really financially horrible for them and oppressions are called depressions for a reason yeah totally but he has a very good like report i got from one of the one of the ones each pack seems to have a leader now one soldier reported a big black plumed bird which stands fully six feet high and keep watch while his mates carry out their work of destruction and warns them of our approach so not only would they split off once you attach the group but they would form smaller groups and each of the smaller group would have a watch emu that would watch and if someone got too close felt it oh my god love it they're so clever i know it's a they're so clever so they had brought ten thousand rounds of bullets and at the end of the day they used all their ammunition and these were trained soldiers and they had killed uh 12 emus so which is still decent enough but when you consider how like in comparison to how much was was there and how much yeah. ammunition they used uh, it was really not. Yeah, not no. Yeah. And you think about kind of the government money, taxpayers money that would be going into this, you know, it's not like it's someone's passion project. This is state mandated, right? Well, bits of it, like the, the troops were state mandated. As I was saying earlier, they made the farmers agree to pay for the ammunition to kind of cover mm, themselves. Okay. Okay. So it was like partly, but it was mainly supported and uh, spent like financed by the em- not the emus the <laughs> farmers that would be a twist <laughs> just a rival gang of emus the emus of eastern australia again exactly. the emus of western australia yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really yeah just just in case you're i always think this is interesting i i found like a short newspaper report from november 5th 1932 from the canberra times elusive emus new tactics to be tried perth too quick for machine guns Friday, the Louis Gunners, who were engaged to rid the Campion district of the emu pest, are having little success. Yesterday, only a few birds were killed. They are so fleet of foot that they are soon out of range. Today, the Gunners had no more success and the new tactics will have to be adopted. It's fantastic, isn't it? (gasps) Yeah, I don't think like, yeah, sure, it'll be good press. We'll get some... We'll get some soldiers to shoot the emus, save the farmers, they'll vote for us. And little did they know that they would be tanks, tanks of creatures. I just love it. I mean, it's the classic kind of, you know, human arrogance of like, oh, these mere animals who are lower than us on the food chain. You know, all it would take is is the same brute force it took to fight off, you know, the Germans in World War One or whatever. Wait, no, the Germans were allies. I don't know. I don't know my real history. I know absurd history. Let me just be clear. But um. Oh no, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I track my knowledge of time through a very small, weird, minutia thing. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm um, totally there. Just with one you. word deep. Like this taught me more about the Great Depression than anything else ever has. Yeah. So sorry, you were saying. Yeah, you're so you're dead on. Just human ar- arrogance. So just like, yeah, dumb. We can, we can kill these birds. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I can't wait to to hear what happens next. You have to remember as well. Emus are they're human size. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And that that watch watcher emo you, emu, you've got like a scruffy black plumed six foot. You know that's intimidating as fuck. I love it. Yeah, and they're just watching. It can sound up quite mm. tall. Major Meredith, who was the 
the commander or the major during the emo attacks, if we had a military division with the bullet carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. This is amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so the next couple of days went a bit better, but still no major victories. They had, so obviously they got more people in because they're like, okay, we underestimate the emus. Let's get more of our, our army in here. They had heard that the emus further south were tamer and like easier to kill and not as aggressive. So they moved there and had similar results. But yeah, they were trying to be, they were like trying to target the weaker emu groups as well. This is just a really, um, not really relates to, to anything. But when I was 14, I was wearing eyeliner and I came downstairs and my sister called me an emu because it was when emos were really big. Oh, wow, yeah. You know what an emo was. And I was like, like you think I'm a flightless Australian bird? Little did you know, it was a massive compliment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Little did I know, if I could go back in time, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a fucking tank. Of course I am. Yeah. So one of their tactics they tried was they loaded machine guns on top of nine trucks and drove after the emus, trying to hit them with cars. And um, but this failed because the emus could outrun. Well, most of the emus could outrun the the trucks. That's amazing. Actually, emus in general are, are considered quite dangerous birds, but most deaths related from emus in Australia is actually from road safety. Normal animals, if there's a car coming up, they will go to the side of the road. Emus will just keep running on the road straight. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So if you're driving, you're going to swerve. Yeah. They're like, this is my road too, baby. Ah, okay. So most emu deaths are from that and not actually emus kicking people in the head they're actually quite you know relatively tame yeah. creatures it's just just don't attack one it's only when cornered yeah 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 totally so yeah they fired 2500 rounds and at the end so at the end it's hard to know how many emus they'd killed by the end of this first week because there are some sources that say 50 and there are some sources that say 200. Even at the time, no one really knew if they were fubbing the numbers just to look better. They definitely were. But it could be the other way around because they were a mockery at this stage in the newspapers or in the city. So it could have been to make it seem funnier. Okay. Yeah, 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 totally. But still, I mean, if you're starting with 20,000 emus, you know, even to get 200 by the end of the first week, it's not great. No, no, it's... You know really not great at all yeah the newspapers were mocking all over although here's a good thing as well there was no human casualties so there was no um no human you no human deaths no human injuries mm-hmm. which i i know your, your face you're kind of like well maybe they deserved it i'm not that happy about that i mean think of the lost or fallen emu, emu brethren that's exactly it i'm totally on the side of the emu here not that i'd want anybody to die obviously but yeah yeah and the newspapers were were mocking this. Uh, our man George Pierce, the defense minister, earned the unofficial title of like minister for the emu war by like all his political friends. <laughs> Be like, mm. <laughs> so lame, so lame. Um, yeah. Labour parliamentarian A. E. Green said that any medals given for the war should go to the emus who had won every round so far. I deeply agree. I cannot disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, you know. Where are the emu yeah. statues in Australia? Yeah. Totally. So he, he'd recalled the war after only about a week. But then a few days later, George P- Pierce reapproved the emu war 
on November 11th, the same year. And although it was a, a slightly more successful military operation, they still weren't doing so hot against against the, the emus. And they retreated after they had killed a thousand emus. Because George Pierce was like, you know what, pretty happy with that. He came out to Parliament. I was basically like, victory, save the farmers, kill like killed all these emus, grand. And exactly as you said, Parliament were having none of it. They were like, well, there was an estimated 20,000 emus and you have killed 1,000 and you wasted so, like this amount of money on an ammunition. This is how much ammunition you use, like over 10,000 things. I, you know, if you're calling this victory, I'm sorry, it's got to go to the emus. So technically the emus won <laughs> the, the emu war. Yeah. I feel like that's a fact that well, for me personally, this is something that I've known about for a really long time and that a few people know, but you own, it's one of those facts that you only know as like a sentence. It's like, oh, Australia once had an emu war and the emus won. That's it. So for- Okay, fabulous. Um, so it was good to like learn more more about it. So yeah, the emus won because as said, they killed a thousand emus out of 20,000. <laughs> it was like- yeah using trucks and machine guns like so much energy so much like so much like manpower like just i mean i just love that the emus kicked ass at the end of the day you know they're like this is our home get out the emus came back every now and again the farmers were happy though they'd gotten rid of a, a good stunt to them the farmers every time there was a bunch of emus would go back to george pierce and be like oh let's do it again but the government weren't willing to go down that road. By now, the story of the war was global and Australia was being like laughed at by other countries for being a country that went to war with its national bird. Even still, I was messaging my Australian friend and I said like, oh, I'm researching all about emus for the emu war. And she was like, oh, our, our pride and joy. Like it was almost like a one of those things that you're ashamed of your nation. You're like, you know, it's stupid. Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was kind of nice that like, I mean, we're, we're Ireland. We can't talk too much about um, poor I- historical decisions. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But at least we haven't had an emu war. We haven't had an emu war, but we also haven't had any emus. Here, Who's to say? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think the emus could take over. They could go global. Yeah, and I think I think Ireland, we don't really have any animals that would be worth going to, to war for. You know, like no mosquitoes, nothing that bites you, nothing that really... Don't, like. What pests? I mean, rats. But... Yeah, I'm thinking, I, it, I'm trying to think of the most kind of interesting infestation we could have. A badger infestation could be interesting because they can be pretty vicious. Yeah. You know, if the badgers all rose up and were suddenly six foot tall. But are badgers, because I know in, in America, certain areas have a huge raccoon issue, which, I mean, raccoons are adorable. They have opposable thumbs and you look. So cute. Have, yeah. Have you seen videos of them cleaning food? They clean cleaning their food before they eat it. Yes. Yeah, Man, no I wouldn't even be mad if my house was infested by raccoons. I was like, you know what? Have it. <laughs> you guys can stay. Yeah, hundred percent. You're I, go on, eat the bin. That's just me though. I'm a sucker for for anything and anyone cute. I'm just like, oh, okay, you're you're a pest ruining my yeah. life, but you're you're <laughs> cute. I'll leave you. Be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think my attitude to the emus kind of tells me that I'm pretty much the same. I'm like, you can eat my wheat as long as you're an adorable flightless bird. You They're know? not very cute, though. 
Sorry, I, I, I did that. Same. Well, that's subjective. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think I guess I'm just attracted to the power. They're a powerful animal. Yeah, it's it's the power. It's the tank nature, you know. It's the the beastness yeah, of it, yeah. and the speed, yeah. you know, fifty kilometers, baba boy. Yeah. They're kind of like the the bad boy of the animal world, I guess. It's like mm. you you know is kind of bad for for you because they're real kind of badass, but they they still got they got an edge. They make they pull mm. it off when they shouldn't. You know? They do. They do. But also, I feel like there's um, this kind of a dark horse effect where, like, you wouldn't expect an emu to be able to outrun a human or to be able to survive a machine bullet attack. But there you go. Never underestimate an emu. Have a look at some emus. They, they, their calf legs, I mean, they, they look like they can, they kind of look oddly and, like, move oddly, like, um, how Tyrannosaurus Rex would. It's kind of like a a, a weird bird dinosaur. Because um, they run, as I was saying before with their heads bobbing, they run like they should have arms, but that they don't have. Yeah, 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 yeah. But don't they say that bird, like birds are the the closest link we have to kind of prehistoric, yeah. prehistoric animals? Yeah. So no more emu war. The emus had won. They had proven their points. In the end, they instituted a bounty on emus called the Beak Bonus System. That was the most oh effective God. in terms of helping with the emu pests. So, yeah, it was kind of more you anyone could kill an emu and bring a beak and then get some money. Uh, 30,000 beaks were claimed. And here's, here's the thing that really gets me. To me, this is like the punchline of the whole thing. So that, as well as building... Uh, a better fence solved the issue. Why didn't they just build the better fence to begin with? So they eventually built a 135 mile long emu proof fence. But it goes to show these were veterans. They were ex-World War I soldiers. Their mind goes straight to, to war. But yeah, they just built a fence, a better fence, and that helped. I got rid of it. It's, that's insane. I mean, like, because I was thinking all along, it's like, surely there are more efficient ways to do pest control i mean it's kind of a gross <laughs> grisly subject but i mean like, like people poison pests or like leave poison food out yeah. or whatever it is yeah the literal literally going to war calling on your soldiers <laughs> like it really just tells me i think it's so important to to remember that this happened during the great depression where there was nothing else to do you know i wouldn't be surprised but well australia is kind of okay covid wise aren't they yeah but um had there been more of a quarantine there maybe the emus they would have gone into war with koalas who knows I'm just thinking about I'm living in like the Dunleary area. And one thing I noticed after the first lockdown, when I went for a walk is we always have loads of foxes here, but there are so many more foxes. They had like taken over the streets and then at Dublin mm. city was just taken over mm. by seagulls. And I was like envisioning this turf war in my head. If we all just stayed inside and just let them fight it out. <laughs> <laughs> totally. that's just me that's just what i had nightmares about during during lockdown every and great, yeah, great yeah, yeah. times great times <laughs> but yeah no exactly i it, it was kind of i think the farmers were just i kind of get it i'm not mad at the farmers because i understand a you're coming from you you just you just fought in a war you know you've seen some shit if you fought in a war these pests are destroying your livelihood destroying your money there's a lot of rage from that so it's more George Pierce, the defense minister, who I feel like is, you know, we should we should go to because, you know, he 
like instead of going like oh this is actually more of an issue for the agricultural department or this is actually more of an issue he went yeah all right let's do it let's do it let's let's do it like that's what i was gonna say it's like surely when that gets raised at parliament or whatever people would be like okay so minister for the environment here you go and george is like hold my beer hold my beer let's go you know well they approached him directly (laughs) oh wow yeah Okay. Yeah, the farmers approach the Minister for Defense directly. They're like, we got to sort out this emu problem. We saw what technology was available when we fought in World War One. Let's just do the same thing, but with the, the birds. And like, do we do do we know like how how many farmers we're talking about? Was it like just the farmers of that one specific area, or was it kind of a, a all the farmers of Australia's union kind of got together? It was Western Australia in uh like the wheat belt. This is the whole area in the wheat belt. I can't. Ooh. You know, that's a very good question. I, I can't tell you the exact number of farmers, but there was a lot of them. This wasn't just a few. And by this stage, okay. a lot of the farmers had a lot of the farmers had moved to the to the city. They'd given up farming because it had gotten so bad. There was even an, one account I found, but probably more of a guy who took his own life because the the problems the emus had caused financially for them. So I don't want to downplay that. It was a a lot of farmers that were really suffering coming back from the war, like, you know, the trauma that comes with that on top of, you know, the depression on top of, um, you know, the, the fight, the economy being a shambles, you already in society, not being super uh, financially well off being kind of a lower class that any hit is going to be devastating. Yeah. Yeah. The, the emus had really damaged a lot of their their crops but it's more the fact that the defense minister thought that this could be a good way to get votes or a good pr campaign and kind of using this to do something kind of st- stupid is that's where the issue is and that's yeah. where we should focus more on then oh these stupid farmers trying to shoot emus like they're just trying to do their job they just want to get their wheat you know it's <laughs> Yeah, because kind of what I was thinking there is that like, you know, these farmers, let's say they're lifelong farmers, they've gone to war, whatever. But I mean, like they're going to have had issues with pests in the past and with pest control. And there are, you know, probably Mm. already rabbits. Exactly. You know, and they, you know, every farmer across the world is going to deal with that. Um, But Mm. usually the first port of call is not the militia. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think it it makes it makes a lot of sense then when you talk about um, uh, George's sort of approach to it as a kind of PR campaign and as a political thing that mm. I was the whole time I was like why are these farmers being so impractical about it you know what I mean like surely a farmer would do the practical farmer thing in, in this instance but uh, yeah obviously it was tied up in so much more than just sort of agriculture wasn't it a lot of them were relatively new to farming it was ah. kind of a we're back from the war we don't have any money the government was like okay well here is some wheat fields for you to you know start get your life going again and like there you go so today the emu population remains very stable um wild emus have a, a stable population of about seven hundred thousand across australia and it is of least concern in regards to the extinct extinction scale you know that thing that's like endangered um yeah least concern is as grand as you can be it's almost too grand <laughs> Um, I honestly love I love to hear that I do I love to hear that so the emus are going strong (laughs) 
like obviously, you know, we want to side with, with farmers and we want everybody to be able to coexist, you know, without being gunned down by the military, whether you're emu or a farmer. But uh, there is a delicious, delicious kind of, um, there's a delicious ending. Like that's a delicious yeah. ending in that, you know. No, it has I, a good I was ending. really afraid for the emus in the beginning. But no, 700,000 strong, you know. They're tanks. Yeah, literally, I hope they're going to rise up one day, the emus, and launch a, a retaliatory attack. Maybe on the 100 year anniversary, 2032, the emus will finally rise up and start the human war. Yeah, this is one of my favorite thing about Australia is you can just be driving in the country and there's just going to be this six foot bird running <laughs> or a kangaroo, like this, this giant thing that, you know, would definitely take me in a fight. Yeah. You know, yeah. and an emu kicks me. I'm, I'm like, what can I do? Like, ugh, I don't know. Punch it. Let's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's Australia's national bird and they think it's a pest and went to war with it. I think that says a lot about Australia. Yeah. And that's that's it. That's everything I have on the emu That's wars. fantastic. <laughs> like, never heard of that before. And it really contextualizes sort of that current fixation that Oz has with keeping their ecosystem in check, as you said, like with down to like bugs and insects. Mm. Um, but that is a wild and out wacky adventure. It's insane. I don't know why people aren't talking about this all the time. It's yeah. Like the emus won. You like they, the emu overlords, like Australia should be renamed after the emu. Do you know? I don't think just national bird status is enough, you know? But apparently they're still pests. Like they still view them as pests. Okay. In Australia. Okay, so th- so so that didn't kind of help the PR for the um emus. It wasn't like, oh look, these strong and militarized birds. <laughs> they will protect us all. <laughs> Why isn't there like a like emu emu boy, but he dresses kind of like an emo and he has like all the powers of uh of an emu really strong calves running really fast yeah 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 yeah. real strong calves <laughs> but also of an emo oh, and also a bit of a yeah, yeah. bit of a sad boy just so he yeah. has his like negative qualities you know yeah 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 i feel it i feel that yeah i would watch that show totally me too or some sort of emu superhero or super villain it doesn't necessarily have to be my emu boy emo 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 a girl you know, you know what um if you if if any if any of you out there listening thinks of a good superhero name involving an emu please let me know and you better copyright it before i do because i'm just gonna steal it if you tell me so don't tell me but do tell me i won't steal anything yeah call in Sersha is standing by <laughs> that's it thank you so much for for coming on i hope you <laughs> were you expecting to talk about emus and emu war <laughs> no and I, I i was saying to you before we started recording that um <laughs> We, you know, with podcasts, usually kind of have to be quite prepared about stuff and blah, blah, blah. But with this podcast, he said, don't prepare anything. That's that's my job, essentially, just turn up and have fun. So I was kind of going through my head being like, oh, I wonder what you're just going to pick. Yeah. E- Emus was the absolute last thing on the list. So well done. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Do you want to plug anything, Ren? If, and let oh, people know where they can find you. Goodness. You yeah. Um, I wish I had events to plug. Oh, my God. Um, but you I can know. find me on Instagram at, at Evoca Reaction. Evoca like the place in Wicklow. Reaction like reaction. Uh, I'm also on um, Insta and all the socials as Ren Dennehy in human form. Um, I don't really have any major events coming up to plug. Hopefully, as the world starts to reopen, we can return to the stage. I'm sure you're coming for it as much as I am. Asian for it. I 
just find myself doing mad things that make absolutely no sense just to to, to feel alive. Yeah. Um, and I've been Saoirse Shanae <laughs> to be cheery. <laughs> Uh, thank you for listening you can find my instagram and twitter handle in the description box below or if you have any inquiries directly about the podcast you can email absurdrealhistory at gmail.com this is brought to you by my theater company scream for ireland we are not doing any shows at the moment but there is a lot of stuff planned soon in the future so do uh do follow us on all the social medias i'd really appreciate it and also that's where we post a lot of stuff about the podcast as well um i want to go and keep looking at emu videos <laughs> yeah i need to go and look at some emu videos i gotta see this weird little run they do